Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. You have a shepherd. I am not him. I'm merely an under-shepherd of the Good Shepherd. And it has been my privilege to have served in this capacity with this congregation for 20-some years. In a matter of weeks or maybe months, I will officially retire as senior pastor of Christ First Church. Consequently, change is coming. And when change approaches, anxiety often comes with it. Even though we've walked through a lot of change together over the past 20 years, one thing has remained constant. I've always been the pastor, but now that is about to change. But it's not as though you'll have to adjust to a new pastor whom you've not even met. Uh, Jared's been with us for eight and a half years now. So while on the one hand change is coming, on the other hand, everything will seem very much the same. As for Kara and me, uh, things are a bit more uncertain. We don't know yet just where we will be living or what we might be doing. Unfamiliarity often leads to anxiety, making it hard to rest or to be at peace. And this is where we are, and this is why I have chosen the 23rd Psalm as my text this morning. It speaks of the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. And we are celebrating this relationship today. In John uh, chapter 10, verse 27, uh, the Lord says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, my role as an under-shepherd is to train you to not recognize my voice, but to recognize the voice of the great shepherd. So this is why we've been doing a series of sermons on helping you discern the difference between the genuine good news and the fake good news uh, that can be so appealing on the one hand, but lead you away from the good shepherd instead of to him. And we will return to that series next week, but today I want to talk to you about the relationship between the good shepherd and his sheep. So I'm weaving in some uh, themes um, for this occasion as well as from the series that we've been doing. So uh, here we go. In addition to telling us that the Lord is our shepherd, the 23rd Psalm is an invitation to shift your focus upon him to get your focus away from the problems in your life and to put your life 
in the hands of the Lord. This is an invitation to trust the Lord with your life. That's what the 23rd Psalm is about. And that's basically what being a Christian is about too, isn't it? Isn't being a Christian basically learning to trust the Lord and follow him? I know of no passage of scripture that speaks to this objective better than this one. And that's not to say that the psalm comes out literally and says, hey, you want to know what trusting the Lord and following him is all about? Well, here it is, just do these things. Following the Lord is not mechanical. It is relational. By paying close attention to the text, we get some insights to help us get a handle on what it means to trust the Lord with your life. And these insights are as follows. Insights into who we are, insights into who our shepherd is, and insight into what the gospel is. So we begin with insight into who we are. When our children were younger, there was a backyard Bible club that met, and they taught catchy little songs to the kids. And one of the songs went something like this. I just want to be a sheep, bah, bah. I just want to be a sheep, bah, bah. I don't want to be a Pharisee, because they were never very fair, you see. I just want to be a sheep, bah, bah. I am uh, rekindling memories that were stowed away in some minds for quite a long time. Uh, it's a good thing to sing that song, I Just Want to Be a Sheep, because you know what? You are one. Uh, you are a sheep. Uh, the Bible compares the relationship we have with the Lord uh, to that of a shepherd and his sheep. In John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's us. And so, if the Lord is your shepherd, uh, by pure logic, what does that make us? Sheep. Uh, in fact, uh, this is not the only verse in Scripture that tells us that we are sheep. There are over 200 references in Scripture that refer to God's people as sheep. Well, speaking of sheep, I've learned a few things of, about those animals over the years, and uh, I want to condense the information that I've learned about sheep into three categories. And he, here are the categories. Sheep are dumb, directionless, and defenseless. If you're taking notes, <laughs> uh, there you go. So first of all, sheep are dumb. The Lord's not paying us any great compliments when he refers to us as sheep, by the way. Uh, sheep have no long-term or short-term memory. They can't even remember where their food bowl is. The other day, I thought, well, I think I might want breakfast. And so I went to get my cereal bowl out. Couldn't remember, couldn't remember where we kept the cereal bowls. So I had to look in three different cabinets before I found the cereal bowl, which is where the cereal bowls have been for the past 12 years. Short-term memory is fading fast, folks. Uh, that's why it's time to retire. Now, please do not be offended 
if uh, you come up to me and I can't remember your name, even if I have known you for 20 years, I might have forgotten. I just want to be a sheep. Bah, bah. <laughs> uh, you ever been to a circus? Uh, circus used to be a thing uh, in previous generations. So if, if you were ever to go, go to a circus, uh, there would be you know, animals doing stunts, like uh, bears driving motorcycles and elephants doing tricks and tigers jumping through fiery hoops. But you know one thing that you will never see if you go to a circus? You will never see a sheep doing tricks. Now, if you go to the county fair and go to the 4-H section, you'll see a lot of sheep there, I'm sure. But they won't be doing any tricks. And you know why sheep do not do tricks? Because sheep are dumb. <laughs> sheep can't learn tricks. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You can't teach a sheep any tricks. <laughs> so uh, sheep are dumb. Uh, sheep are also directionless. Sheep are prone to wonder. You know, even if you put them in an absolutely perfect environment with everything that they need, things like green pastures and still waters, sooner or later, they'll just wander off. If a shepherd doesn't manage his doesn't manage his sheep, if he doesn't micromanage them and keep them under constant surveillance, they will wander off and be lost. So, sheep are dumb and sheep are directionless. How are you feeling so far? Yeah. Uh, sheep are also defenseless. Left to themselves, sheep will not and cannot last very long. Just about any other domesticated animal can be returned to the wild and stand a fighting chance of survival. You put a dog or a cat out in the wild and uh, they will manage to survive one way or another, but you put a sheep out in the wild and he will soon become a snack for some predator. There are three common ways that animals react when they perceive some kind of danger. Uh, there's fight, flight, and posture. So let's take them one at a time. Uh, fight. You ever see a sheep fight a wolf? Uh, sheep don't fight because sheep can't fight. They have neither offensive nor defensive weapons. No fangs, no claws, no shell, no spray, no nothing. Bad grammar, I know. But you get the point. On the upside, sheep do come equipped with about eight pounds of Velcro. Uh, it's all over the body, so if a predator wants to grab hold of a sheep, all he's got to do is just reach out there and grab it and uh, knock the sheep down, and there you go. So while uh, bottom line, sheep are not good at fighting. But what about flight? Are sheep fast? I mean, there's some Animals like rabbits, you know, they're fast and they can zigzag this way and that. It's hard to get a draw a bead on them. Uh, can sheep do that? No. Uh, sheep uh, are not fast. Sheep are slow. I mean, that's. I mean, not only are they slow mentally, they're they're slow physically. Uh, they don't think uh, very well, and uh, they can't run. They have very little strength and even less stamina and no sense of direction. And on top of that, sheep have this 
uh, overactive reflex, uh, startle reflex, it's called. I'd rather just call it the panic button. So there, there's an automatic panic button built inside a sheep, which activates uh, the moment uh, something sets them off, like if a predator is nearby. Um, so they will panic quickly. Uh, unfortunately, um, if a sheep panics, uh, he can't run very fast, he can't blend into anything, and even if they could run, they can't hide. So uh, sheep are not good in a fight, they're not good at flight, and so what's left? Well, there's posture. What do we mean by posture? Well, you know, dogs bark, and cats hiss, and rattlesnakes rattle. The sheep go, bah! <laughs> what does that mean? It's the barnyard equivalent for, please don't eat me, please don't eat me. It's about the only defense that a sheep has. Pretty fearsome, huh? <laughs> well, again, dogs raise their hackles, cats arch their backs, rattlesnakes coil and lift their heads to make themselves appear larger than they are. But what can a sheep do? How do you puff yourself up when you're already puffy and fluffy? <laughs> Well, sheep have one trick and one trick only. They flock. And we used to think that flocking was complex behavior. I mean, you, you look up in the sky and you see the uh, geese flying south in the winter, and then when spring comes, you see them uh, flying back up this way, and they are in this perfect V formation, and uh, you wonder uh, at how they are able to do that. But thanks to computer technology, uh, some experts in science have been able to uh, determine that all that's really required uh, for, uh, uh, say, 100 uh, geese to uh, be able to fly in formation is to follow two rules. Now, when I mention rules, uh, my grandkids are all seated up here, and they are poking up, uh, they're, they're lifting their heads up because so when we talk about rules, we have ice cream rules. And uh, they get ice cream after every meal when they come to see us to sell breakfast, gotta draw the line somewhere. Uh, wh what are the ice cream rules, kids? Yeah, second rule? <laughs> uh, nobody's getting ice cream. Huh? Just, just give him one more rule. Yeah, don't, do not put ice cream on your uh, siblings or cousins' head. Uh, that, that's a rule. Uh, so the, the kids are good at remembering those rules. We recite them a couple of times every day when they are here, and, and we have fun doing that. But in, in order for birds to be able to fly in formation, all that's really quire, required is for them to remember two rules, uh, three if you can't obey all rules. Uh, but one is, um, well, let's apply it to sheep. If you see another sheep, get closer. And rule number two, don't bump into any other sheep. That's all you got to do. Okay, so here's how it works. Uh, let's picture a flock of sheep out in the pasture. And uh, over here is little Joe sheep. And 
little Joe sheep sees a wolf. So what does he do? Well, a startle reflex hits his mind, and so the automatic panic button goes off, and so he starts running, and the wolf starts running after him. And the other sheep see little Joe sheep running, and so they figure they should run too. And so they're all running. They stay together. They don't bump into each other. Um, and uh, while the entire flock is running, there's not a single sheep that knows why in the world they are all running. It's just because, you know, little Joe Sheep is the only one who knows why everybody's running. And by this time, he's already been caught by the wolf. And, uh, but, you know, the sheep don't really care. Um, all they care about is uh, they don't have to be faster than the wolf. They just have to be faster than little Joe Sheep. So they all live another day. So without a shepherd to protect them, uh, sheep will be picked off and eaten one by one. We're a lot like sheep. And um, because we're so much like sheep, we need a shepherd. So who is our shepherd and what is he like? Well, the 23rd Psalm provides us with some insight into this, this as well. So let's dig a little deeper and look for some insights into who our shepherd is and what he is like. Uh, we go to verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Does this mean that if the Lord is your shepherd, you will have everything that you could possibly want? Well, what this phrase means is that as one of God's sheep, you will not lack anything that is necessary for your best, your best interest. And so when the Lord is your shepherd, he takes care of you. He provides everything you need, but he does not promise to pamper you. We go to verse 2, that he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Well, what does this mean? Does it mean that the shepherd makes the sheep lie down even though the sheep would rather stay up and watch TV with, uh, just like most kids do until their parents come and make them lie down and go to sleep? Uh, actually, a uh, shepherd makes his sheep lie down because sheep don't know when to stop eating. And so if the shepherd doesn't come and make them lie down, the sheep will eat and eat and eat and eat. And as long as food is available, uh, they will keep eating. And as far as sheep are concerned, when uh, they're out in some nice big green pasture, it's like an invitation to an all-you-can-eat buffet. Now, I have to be careful when I go to one of those all-you-can-eat buffets uh, because I will eat like a sheep. I mean, you've got to get your money's worth, right? Exactly. So uh, I won't know when to stop. Uh, sheep will eat and eat and eat until the shepherd makes them lie down. And there's a reason he makes them lie down, because if they don't lie down, uh, they're not going to be able to digest their food. Uh, by the way, sheep have four stomachs. They're much like uh, cows in that regard. And uh, sometimes I feel like I have four stomachs. You know, there's a uh, a, a small stomach uh, for vegetables, uh, a fairly large uh, stomach for meats, uh, a, a third stomach uh, for stuff that's good for you, uh, 
very small, and then there's a huge dessert stomach. Now, it's possible that all, your, that all three of your other stomachs can get full very quickly, but there's still room uh, you know, for dessert and that stomach. So I can identify with sheep. Uh, Philip Keller, um, who is a, a pastor and author and also uh, was a shepherd for uh, several years, uh, says that sheep will explode. They will explode from overeating if someone isn't there to make them lie down and let their food digest. He says it's almost impossible for sheep to lie down unless certain requirements are met. And uh, he lists uh, four things. And here we go. He says, because of their timidity, sheep refuse to lie down unless they are free of all fear. Sheep will not lie down unless they are free from friction with other sheep within the flock. And if tormented by flies or parasites, sheep will not lie down. And lastly, sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding food. So there must be freedom from fear, friction, flies, and famine before sheep will lie down. And when you translate this into our context, and you hear David saying that the Lord often removes the obstacles in our lives for the purpose of giving us rest. We come to the next uh, verse, you know, he restores my soul. Uh, you know, David's referring to the dangerous sheep that are in need of turning and returning to their feet. Uh, he's literally referring to sheep that have become cast. Um, it's often referred to in the Psalms as being cast down. Uh, a, a cast sheep, maybe you can picture or, or see the picture there. Um, top left-hand corner, you got a sheep with his feet sticking straight up in the air, and then another one with his feet sort of sideways. Well, what happens if a sheep is, you know, just kind of wandering around the pasture there, and uh, he, he might trip over um, a, a hollow place there and tip over, or he might have had too much to eat, and and tips over, and if, if uh, a sheep tips over, uh, he can't get back up by himself. He has to have a shepherd come and uh, get him back up on his feet. So uh, what's the relevance for us here? Uh, cast uh, can also mean discouragement, despair, depression. Literally, the word means to be low. And uh, Psalm 42, verses 5 and, five and 6, we see a, a reference to being cast down, spiritually speaking, and in similar sense to how a sheep is on its back. It's knocked off his feet. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. So, this is something that Jesus also spoke of in Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So, a discouraged and a depressed person is laid low and is rendered immobile. He is cast. So, 
effectively, here's what David is saying in the psalm. He says, look, it, it makes all the difference in the world who your shepherd is. As I happen to have the Lord as my shepherd, and he is ever ready and available time and time and time again. When I've gotten into trouble or I've gotten stuck or entangled, he comes and he stands me back up on my feet. That's what he's saying. Can you discern that the message of the psalm is that the Lord is inviting us to trust him with our lives, that he will take care of us? And, uh, well, before we get to uh, Galatians uh, chapter 6, uh, th there's a question that, that, that comes is, okay, so the Lord as our shepherd comes and he picks us back up and when, when we've been knocked off our feet and he reestablishes us. So how does he do that? Does he have some kind of a cosmic uh, uh, you know, shepherd's staff? He reaches out and grabs a hold and pulls you up much like a... Uh, a shepherd of the sheep would do for a sheep that is cast he doesn't do that he uses other people people like us uh, believers who uh, as Galatians tells us uh, chapter 6 verse 1 brothers if anyone is caught in any transgression you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness so the, work, the, the Lord works through his people. He works through his under-shepherds. And uh, we are all, in a sense, under-shepherds of the great shepherd. Let's go to uh, the next phrase in uh, verse 3 of the psalm. Uh, he restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Uh, the Hebrew word, uh, that's translated uh, paths here can be translated as wagon tracks or even more literally as ruts. Now, one author paraphrases to, to read, uh, he leads me in the ruts of righteousness. I don't know if I like that translation or not. Do you? I mean, the ruts of righteousness? I mean, rut has a, a negative connotation to it, does it not? And so we think about, um, you know, you're, you're stuck in a rut, you're stuck in a routine, you can't get out. It's almost like, you know, being trapped. Uh, who likes the idea of being trapped in righteousness? Actually, it'd be a great thing, but uh, we still don't like the idea of being stuck or, or, or trapped. Uh, but if a sheep follows the wrong rut or the, the wrong path, it will end in disaster. Several, several years ago, uh, there was a news article um, that was published that took place, uh, uh, there was an incident that took place uh, in Turkey that happened on a July day in 2005. Uh, first, one sheep jumped to its death, it followed the wrong rut, and it came to a cliff, and the rut just went all the way to the cliff, and so the first sheep just jumped off the cliff. And you know, sheep travel together in a flock. They follow each other, right? So what happens when the second sheep gets to the cliff? It jumps off. And so uh, this continued until the stunned Turkish shepherds are standing there watching uh, 
as sheep after sheep after sheep after sheep after sheep, some 1,500 sheep leap off the cliff. Now, only the first 450 animals died. That's because the rest of the other 1,100 and some odd sheep uh, fell on those uh, fluffy wool bodies uh, that were at the bottom of the cliff. Uh, nonetheless, the financial loss was uh, tremendous, over 100,000 Turkish lira, which, you know, in our uh, way of reckoning, that would have been about 73000 in 2005 dollars, but in a country where the GDP is less than $2,700 per person, this was a huge loss. Let's move to the next uh, verse here. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And then in the second part, well, <clears throat> first part here, uh, yea, though I walk through the valley. It's not a matter of you might walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, this is an implication that it's going to happen, that we all live under the shadow of death. We all know that our lives are temporal, that the, the day is going to come when uh, we leave this earth. Um, I'll have a little more to say about that later, but in, in the meantime, uh, there is a, a, a thought here where uh, uh, David refers to the, the shepherd's rod and his staff, and he says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I think I've got a a picture here of a rod and a staff. You can see the rod there, it's a relatively short, heavy, club-like device, uh, which is used almost uh, like David would have used his sling. Uh, remember in uh, the, the Bible when Goliath came and taunted, taunted the armies of Israel, and there was no one who wanted to go and represent Israel against this champion, and so David convinces Saul to let him go because he says, I fought the lion and the bear and I, the Lord gave me victory over them and the Lord will deliver this Philistine into my hands as well. Uh, what David would have used most likely was a rod. Uh, shepherds were really uh, right on the mark highly accurate uh, with these rods. They, they could take a, a, a rod and sling it at a wolf and, and uh, you know, hit it right between the eyes. Uh, you know, David was able to do that with a, a sling against Goliath, uh, obviously able to do it against a, a bear and a lion. And the staff there, it's a longer, thinner uh, rod there, uh, but it has a crook on it so you can reach out with that little uh, crook and pull a sheep to safety. Now, uh, having given you this information, uh, how does this apply to us in uh, these verses that we're looking at right now? Well, when we understand how a shepherd relates to his sheep, uh, it helps us understand how our shepherd relates to us. When I go wandering away, does the Lord say, there goes that stupid sheep Mike again. I'm going to teach him a lesson. Give me the rod. 
whack. Uh, that's not what he does. You know, there are times that I will need discipline and guidance, but the rod is not something that the shepherd uses on the sheep. The rod is something that the shepherd uses on the predators. And so we have two uh, weapons here. Uh, one is for the enemy without, that's the rod, the, the, the wolf, the lion, and the bear. And then there is the staff, which is for the enemy that is within. Some of you are old enough to remember this old Pogo comic strip that came in the Sunday comics. And uh, one of the things that it's most or best known for is we have met the enemy and the enemy is us. Yeah. So the, the staff is for the enemy that is within. Um, I'm editing here as I go. I have more uh, prepared to say than I have time for. Um, so um, let me move ahead to uh, verse 6 where well, we'll skip this. Verse 6, the psalm says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow. The word there in the original Hebrew is pursue. Goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you think about one party pursuing another party, the uh, best image that comes to my mind is you're driving down the road at slightly... Uh, above the speed limit and you look over to the side and you see the highway patrol car sitting there in the median and uh, you see him pull into the flow of traffic he turns his lights on gets behind you and he is in pursuit of you now when the highway patrolman is in pursuit of you are you thinking he is probably wanting to give me a gift or compliment me on how well I'm driving or now, something like that. I was with a friend once who got pulled over, and the patrolman did say, uh, you were driving so well, I wanted your autograph. You know, so uh, there was that line. I don't think my friend was that amused. Um, I didn't say anything about it either. But sometimes we get the image that when God pursues us, that he is coming after us with a rod you know, to correct us, to whack us, uh, to straighten us out. God does not pursue us to do us harm. He pursues us to do us good uh, all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, the, the psalmist says. Some years ago, there was a widow who lived in a, a, a modest home. Uh, she was renting it, but she fell behind in her rent. She didn't uh, have enough money to... Uh, pay her rent, so she was a couple of months um, but behind. And so there was a businessman who heard about her predicament, and he went to some of his friends and said, you think maybe we could get together and raise funds to uh, help this widow with her rent if we can uh, you know, pay for her uh, rent this month and, and maybe uh, next month too? And they said, that, that's really a good idea. And so uh, they were all excited and went to see this widow, and they went and and knocked on her door, and there was no answer, so they knocked again, and uh, they were sure that the woman was at home. Uh, so he knocked again the third time, and he said something, said, knock a fourth time. And so he knocked a fourth time, and you know what happened? Nothing. She didn't come to the door. So, <laughs> so uh, they, they left, and uh, 
a, a day or so later, uh, the businessman who had raised the money for the rent for this lady, uh, he saw her at the store. And he said, hey, uh, I came to your house the other day, uh, some friends and I got our resources together, and uh, we collected enough money between us uh, to pay your rent for two months. Uh, but when we knocked on your door, you weren't there. And she says, oh, my goodness. I thought you were the landlord coming to evict me. Isn't that the way we think of when the Lord pursues us? Oh, he's coming to whack me. He's coming to make things difficult for me. That's not what it means when it says, surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. We need to get this idea in our mind of just how deep and how wide and how expansive is the love of God. It's something a shepherd communicates to his sheep and something that our shepherd communicates to us. Okay, I want to start wrapping things up now by um, moving on to some of the insights into the gospel that we get from this psalm. One evening, there was a tourist in the Middle East who observed with great interest how a shepherd drove all of his sheep into a sheepfold. Uh, the fold was an enclosed wall with only one opening, and on that opening, he noticed that there was neither door nor gate. And the tourist remarked to the shepherd, can't wild beasts get in there? No, answered the shepherd, because I am the door. When I put all the sheep in the sheepfold, I lie down across that doorway. No predator can get in to the sheep except over me. No one can get in. No thief can come in except over my body. Jesus said in John 10, 9, a familiar verse, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 4 in uh, Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. All of life is lived under the shadow of death. Sheep have no concept of death, but they do have a concept of danger. And so when sheep pass through a, a shadow, uh, they fear that there might be a, a predator there. Uh, again, even though they have no concept of, of, of life or death, uh, they do have a, a, a concept of danger. In verse 6, David writes, uh, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I want to pick up on this word mercy for just a minute. The word for God's mercy is a term used in the ancient world to mean a tender love that flows out of deep emotion rather than duty. It is a kind and gentle love. If you are familiar with the King James Version of the Bible, 
uh, you will run across the word uh, loving kindness uh, all the way through that uh, version. And it, it may well be the, the best translation of all. But however it is defined, I don't deserve mercy. By its very nature, mercy is something that you do not deserve. It is a gift. God's nature is to love sacrificially, selflessly, extravagantly, beyond our wildest expectations. And never was this truth more magnificently, magnificently portrayed as on the old rugged cross by his sinless son dying on behalf of his sheep. On the cross, Jesus is showing us mercy. He is offering that which we do not deserve. And here's something else about the gospel we need to know. That Jesus went to the cross willingly. He laid down his life for our sakes. And that act of love was or stimulated by his character, not by our virtue. There's a familiar verse which you'll see on the screen and you'll also see on the banner behind me. By grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not, as a, re not a result of works so that no one may boast. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. This is an invitation to trust the Lord Jesus Christ with your life. Will you do that? Let's pray together. Father, we stand and amazed at who you are. Amazed at the love that you show to us in giving your only son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. May these familiar words resonate deep into our souls. May we be ever aware that you are our shepherd. You are the one who lays down his life for the sheep. You are the door through which we come that we might have tender, merciful, 
gracious care from our good shepherd. In his name we pray. Amen.